um, he was much more open to God. And what happened is that he lived another three months and then he passed away. But before he passed away, my father shared the gospel with him and he placed his faith in Christ. He uh, told my grandma, he said, Grandma, you don't have to worry about me because um, I'm going to be in heaven. And so I, I think the idea would be that um, sometimes in life, we as people need things like a sickness in the family, a loss of a job, uh, maybe a near-death experience, maybe a car accident to kind of shake us to think about eternal things. And so when I think about... Um, my, um, maybe my life verse, um, this is the passage I wanted to share with you today, because I think it's, it's the nature of the passage is kind of jolting in the sense that it kind of is very sober-minded, and it's, um, it's kind of uh, speaks to the heart about values, about what's important in life. So maybe on a lighter note, I'd like to share about my family. This is my wife, Wena. So I met her at CIBC in Oakland. So we would met, this week we celebrated our 25th anniversary. So um, I, one thing I like to do is I like to give her kisses, but she doesn't like kisses. So she'll say things like, oh, it stinks. But um, <laughs> other than having problems about how we disagree on kissing, we, we get along and I love my wife. Okay. <laughs> Here's my three boys. So we have Ryan, Josh, and Tyler. This is at a boba place in Irvine. So I'm, I'm what I would call a boba snob, that I'm very picky about my boba, but I'm a boba man. Um, I'm a little fat, so I shouldn't eat it, but that's all right. OK. Here's some students from Epic. So we have people like Becky and Alice and Calvin and others. Um, so we had a social at the end of the year last spring, or this last spring. So, okay, so um, if you will, turn in your Bible to so Luke 16, 19 to 31. Luke 16, 19 to 31. We're just take a look at this passage. Now, there's a movie coming out called Crazy Rich Asians. Now, um... How many of you are going to watch that movie? And this, I don't think it's a bad movie, but anyone going to watch it? Okay, just a few of you. I'm going to watch it. Okay. <laughs> now, what happens is um, in this passage, there's a guy that's like a crazy rich Asian, that he's just over-the-top rich. Okay, and so, but there's an, also another guy in contrast that's extremely poor. And so you have two guys that live life on earth, and then they, they both pass away. One goes to heaven, one goes to hell. And then this focus of this passage is really about the dialogue between the guy that goes to hell and heaven. And he has two questions, and the Bible has two answers for his two questions. But just to begin with, let's talk about their life on earth. And so... If you look at Luke 16, verse 19, this is the guy that's like the crazy rich Asian. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. So the first guy, it doesn't sound like he's employed. Maybe he's just, 
he kind of is a, um, he just has maybe rich parents, and so he just is a rich guy. He, um, he lives in luxury every day. He plays golf. He goes out to eat. He goes on vacation. Uh, he dresses well. He dresses in fine linen and purple. And so when you dress in purple and fine linen, that's an indication of um, brand names or, or, you know, kind of good-looking clothes. Um, and so this guy has kind of a plush life. He's, he's very wealthy. And so I, I think, not to be harsh, but I, I'm Chinese, and so I think I could say this. Um, I think sometimes Chinese really like things like education, money, and comfort. And then they like to repeat it through their kids, education, money, and comfort. But the idea is, as we look at this passage, um, that there's more to life than those things. I mean, they're not bad things, but they're not, they're not the goal in life. They're not like my end goal, that that's all I live for is money, education, and comfort, and then repeat it through my children. And so here's this guy. He has a really plush life. He's rich. He lives in luxury every day, etc. Now, there's another guy in verse 20. It says, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dog came and looked his sores. So this guy is pretty bad off. Now, you notice he's not under a table eating crumbs, but he's longing to eat crumbs from the rich man's table. So he's so bad off that he is not even eating crumbs, but he's longing. His wish list is, I want to eat crumbs. So he's outside the gate of this rich man. Um, he's also so weak physically that dogs are coming and licking his sores. So he's really in bad shape. Now, when I was a youth pastor in Oakland, we used to go to Arizona, and we went maybe eight times, and we would go work on an Indian reservation. And so, um, anyhow, we would go door to door as part of our ministry to share the gospel, and people were quite open to the gospel, but one thing that was unique about that ministry is that in between walking from one house to the next, you'd carry a big rock with you. And so I'm not an abusive person, but... What happened is there's wild dogs that were maybe outdoor dogs, you could say. So I have a dog named Chloe. She's super high maintenance. She goes to the bathroom, and if she doesn't, if you don't let her in within like 10 seconds, she starts scratching the door, and she's really upset. So she comes in. She's an indoor dog. But these dogs are outdoor dogs, and they like to bite people, and they like to kind of attack you. So we would grab a rock. And we would face them and intimidate them with the rock, and then they'd back down. And so just to let you know, I never threw the rock. I never abused dogs. But I did it to pr protect myself, and I did it to protect the youth. And so the basic idea is that I can, I can imagine one of these dogs licking, trying to lick me, and I would not let them lick me because I'd say, okay, I don't even let my own dog lick me, let alone this outdoor dog. But Lazarus is in such bad shape that he's dreaming about crumbs. He, um, he's letting dogs lick him that have germs, and he's physically weak. Now, if I closed in prayer and I said, who would you rather be, the rich man or, or Lazarus, who would you rather be? So if you didn't know anything else about this passage, 
who would you rather be? So we're going to get some participation here. Who would rather be the rich man that lived in luxury every day, dressed well, and you ate well? Okay, you might be a little fat, but okay, okay. Who would rather be Lazarus that dreams about crumbs, he's a beggar, and he's physically weak, and dogs lick your sores? Okay, raise your hand anyway. Okay, no one. Okay, one person. Okay, all right. One person. Okay, so maybe we'll talk to you later. Okay, so, um, okay, so the, the thing is, is that they both die. One goes to heaven, one goes to hell. Now, the guy that went to hell was the rich man, but he didn't go to hell because he was rich. And the poor man, or Lazarus, went to heaven, but he didn't go to heaven because he was poor or because he was a beggar. But I think the Bible is getting about contrast, okay? Now, I, I want to ask you a question just to get you to think a little bit. Uh, there's one scholar, he said this. He said that if every Christian went to hell for five minutes, their life would be forever changed, okay? And so theologically, that can't happen. So as a believer, once saved, always saved. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. You have eternal life now. And so this can't happen, but just hypothetically. But I'm going to change it from five minutes to five years, okay? So let's say um, you go off to college and you haven't um, seen someone in five years, and you've been in hell for five years, okay? Um, but they say, like, oh, what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in five years. And it's like, well, I've been in hell. And they say, well, how was it? And so they go, it was hot, and um, I didn't like it. And it's like, how are you? You know, it's like, have you seen any movies this, this week? Okay, so the thing would be, would you just say that it was a bad experience, but your life is the same? Or would you go to hell for five years and your life is different? Okay. So what I want you to do is talk to your neighbor and ask the question, is your life different after spending five years in hell? Now, again, this is a hypothetical question, so don't, you don't have to uh, sleep poorly tonight because of that. But r realistically, just think about going to hell for five years how is your life different if it's different at all? And we'll regroup in 20 to 30 seconds. So go ahead. Okay, okay, time out. You're having too much fun. Um, so how about someone on my right-hand side? Uh, raise your hand. If you're too shy to share, you could raise your hand and point to someone else. <laughs> but the idea would be, how is your life different? I haven't seen you in five years. I say, how you been? It's like, oh, pretty good, but I was in hell for five years, but I'm back now. And it's like, well, how's your life different at all? Anyone want to share on this side? Or you want to volunteer anyone? Okay, you in the back. Go ahead.
Oh, you volunteer. You're, that you're, okay, go ahead. You, you can't volunteer anyone. You got to share. Okay. So how's your, is your life any different? Okay, how's your life different? Right, right, okay, good. Okay, okay, all right, good, good. Okay. No, so just to repeat what he said is he doesn't want to go back, but secondly, he doesn't want other people to go there. Okay, anyone on this side? Okay, volunteers? Anyone want to volunteer someone? Okay, you and Orange, you've been volunteered. Go ahead. Oh, oh, you're pointing to him. Okay. Oh, okay. I Oh, you'd write a book about it. Okay, okay. 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 Good, good, good. Okay. Good. Yeah, there's lots of ways to do evangelism. You could write a book. Yeah. Good. Okay. Now, here's the thing is that um, it's really brutal. Okay, hell is really brutal. And um, let me tell you about a, a tombstone in Indiana. On this tombstone, it says, Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. So when someone wrote underneath that that said, To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. And so the reality of life is there's just tons of people on this earth. I read online that there's, in 2006, they said there's 7.4 billion people. But I guess there's probably 7.8 to 8 billion people on this earth. And the thing is, is that we have a lot to do as believers in terms of telling people about Christ and him crucified. Now, I would say this, is that I would guess that almost all of you, if not all of you, are believers. And so I think the idea of sharing, the God, sh sharing about hell to a non-believer is not the most effective way in evangelism. But I think internally, as believers, when we think about hell, I think it's a motivation for us to advance the gospel. So that's why one of the reasons I, I picked this passage. But um, I, I would just say a, a few things about the brevity of life. Um, how many of you that are over 40 can remember what it was like to graduate from high school? Okay, okay, so, okay, <laughs> Joe can remember that. Okay, um, I can remember that. I used to be 18. I'm not 18 anymore. I'm 54. But the idea is life is very short, okay? In Psalm 90, it says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. James 4 says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're, just, you're a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. When I was in college, I was such a bad cook that I got a pot of water, and I said, I'm going to make spaghetti. So I, I started the water. I started boiling the water. I came back sometime later, and my water was gone. And I said, who threw my way in my water? And it's like, dude, no one threw away your water. It's just it evaporated. It's like, oh, shoot, okay. But the idea is... I, I said, okay, I'm single now, I got, I'm not married, so one of the motivations of getting married was someone to cook for me, but um, sorry, that's bad, okay, okay, but the idea is, is that in the meantime, while I was single, I said, okay, roommate, I'll make a deal with you, 
I'll buy all the food. You just cook for me. And he said, deal. So we made a deal. But the idea is life is short. Life is short. And, and you're like a vapor. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're a child of God. You're a minister of reconciliation. But you're also a vapor. Life is very short. And a blink of an eye, you teenagers will be in your, you'll be in your mid-40s. Okay? And then in a blink of an eye, you're going to be having grandchildren. Okay? And so the idea is take advantage of your life. Take advantage of doing eternal things for God. So what happens is the guy that goes to hell is the rich man, and he asks for two things. The first thing, the first thing he asks for is um, in Luke 16, um, he says in verse 19, he says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and to cool off my tongue because I'm in agony in this flame. So he is asking for pity, for mercy. And so uh, think about this request. Think about this request about what kind of request is it. Um, now, I think it's a really modest request. He's not saying, okay, I'm going to be in hell for eternity. In the big picture, a billion years isn't much compared to eternity. So can I take a break from this place called hell and, and go to my favorite vacation spot for a billion years? He doesn't ask for that. He asks that Lazarus, the beggar, who is weak, who dreamed about crumbs, who dogs licked his sores, he said, have him dip his finger in water. So let's fill this with water. And let's have Lazarus dip his finger in water and put it on my tongue. Because I'm in agony in this flame. And so that's how bad hell is. That's his wish list. That's like his dream comfort is just someone dipping their finger in water. The beggar dipping his finger in water. Now think about it. We see um, homeless all the time. Uh, when I go back to visit Oakland, uh, there's much more homeless than there used to be. There's people that are living in tents all over the place. So the idea would be, let's say some guy is at an off-ramp and he's asking for money. He has a sign. If I roll down the window, dip my finger in water and say, come over here, lick my finger. Okay, he might punch me. <laughs> He might punch me. He might throw something at me. Minimum, he's going to yell at me, but he is not going to lick my finger. Now, if I was thirsty, I wouldn't say, come over here, uh, put your finger in this water, and I'm going to lick your finger. I never get that thirsty. Okay. But this is how bad he had it. This is how bad he had it. Because he, and the core is he's saying, I'm in agony in this flame. Now, um, some of us that like tea, it could be boba, could be Snapple, could be Starbucks tea, could be hot tea, could be jasmine tea. Whatever type of tea you like, remember that tea is an acronym for hell. Okay, T, the T stands for torment, E stands for eternal, and A stands for awake. Now, the most brutal part about hell is what? Is it torment? Is it eternal? Or is it awake? I heard eternal. Who said that? Okay, give this guy a, a prize. 
an award, a star next to his name, and a sticker. Okay. Okay. But the idea is, I think eternity is brutal. It's just really brutal. It's over-the-top brutal. Okay. If there's something that should not allow you to sleep, is people going to hell for eternity? Okay. Now, I ask this question to people about evangelism all the time, and it's a trick question, but I'm going to ask you. Okay. And so recognize it's a trick question. But how do you feel about evangelism? Okay. Now, honestly speaking, in a group this size, some would say it's exciting. Some would say it makes me nervous. Some would say I get a stomach ache. Some would say I have my hands sweat. Some would say I don't know enough about the Bible to share the gospel. Some would say I don't like rejection. Some would say it makes me nervous. I get sick. Okay, but I think the, the real question is this, is it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's about people hearing the gospel. So, so the whole thing is it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how you feel, but it's about sharing the gospel. Now, I used to sell ladies' shoes at Nordstrom's for a year. And so I, would, I remember sharing, showing 30 pairs of shoes to people, and they'd buy one pair. And the thing is, is that if they bought all 30 or they buy one or they buy none, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like show more shoes, be friendly, and be polite. And so the idea is evangelism is like selling shoes. It's not like asking a girl out on a date and she says no. Okay. So let me tell you, tell you a quick dating story, and then we'll go back to our passage. <laughs> one time I asked this girl, um, she went to Stanford, she worked at Hewlett Packard, and she was a Christian, and I asked her out on a date. She said no, and then after a while, we had a DTR to find the relationship. She said, we're just friends. And so I said, okay, we're just friends. But on Valentine's Day, <laughs> on Valentine's Day, I bought her flowers, and then she called me. I thought, oh, she, she's going to say thank you. You know, she likes me. Okay, she yelled at me, okay, <laughs> and she said, we're just friends. Friends don't send each other flowers on Valentine's. And finally, I got it. Finally, I said, okay, we're just friends. She said that. Well, you're right, because I said that. Okay, anyhow, we're just friends. But I finally sunk in when she yelled at me. Okay. So some of you think evangelism is like a girl yelling at you for giving you flowers. It's not. It's like selling shoes at Nordstrom. Okay. So when you, when you settle that issue in your life then everything, it's a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, you become like Billy Graham. You're, a, you're an evangelistic madman, and you're liberated, okay? Really, it's liberating. And so I'm a salesman at heart. I've sold toads, firecrackers, you know, comic books, baseball cards. I've done sales my whole life. But if you can understand the principle that dating, sharing the gospel is not like asking a girl out and she yells at you. It's really about selling lady's shoes, then everything fits, and you're fine. Okay. So that's all the training you need. Go share the, share the gospel. Okay. Um, so let's see what the answer is. What's the answer? Um, the answer is no. The answer is no. Dip your finger in water and cool off my tongue because I'm in agony in this flame. God says no. He says no. Now, we, we understand God... Theologically, it's loving, merciful, very uh, long-suffering. 
uh, gives us a lot of breaks. If we sin, the earth doesn't open up and we're swallowed. God is very kind to us. But there is a window where we can experience God's love and forgiveness. And that's really until your last breath. So the idea is people need to get right with God before they die physically. Um, if they don't do so, there's, we don't experience God's love and forgiveness. So there's, um, this is how he says, though. He says, um, he says in verse, okay, well, he says, um, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who want to go from here, talking about heaven, to you, talking about hell, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So he's basically saying, if you're in heaven, you can't visit someone in hell. So think about the idea that, let's say you know someone in prison. Uh, could be a relative, a friend, a coworker, <clears throat> someone that you know, someone you went to school with, they're in prison. You can go and visit them. Okay? But there's, when it comes to heaven and hell, once you go to heaven, you can't visit someone in hell. At the same time, if you're in hell, you can't take a vacation and go to earth, or you can't go to vacation and go to heaven. So there's some people in life that have life financially hard, and they don't live a luxurious life. They don't live like a crazy rich Asian. But they could save money to, let's say, go to Disneyland. But there's no breaks. There's no vacations. It's a permanent thing. Once you die physically, you either go to heaven or hell. So in 150 years, all the people on the planet are going to be either in heaven or hell. I would say almost everyone will be dead and either in heaven or hell. And so the idea is, is that we can't do anything for people that lived 1,000 years ago. We really can't do very much for people 200 years from now, maybe except for the guy that wrote a book. But the idea is... We could do something for this generation. You think about all these Muslims that we saw bowing down to a false god. We could do something for them. Okay. And so the idea is um, God has a window for people to experience his love and his forgiveness and the gospel, but it's a short window. Okay. So... Um, I, th I think the, one of the reasons why they have such an extreme is I think about the idea of contrast. So the idea is that if you are super, super wealthy, you have a very fat and happy life, um, and yet you go to hell, I think in the big picture, it's a major fail in your life. At the same time, if someone is very, very poor, they have a very hard life, and yet they go to heaven, that's a huge win. So I think the idea is, is that I'm not, I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ apart from works, but I think the idea would be even I have nothing on earth, but if I go to heaven in the big picture, I'm doing well. And so um, I found in general, if someone has three things, they tend to be more close to the gospel. Now you may disagree with me and that's fine. This is more of an opinion. I can't give you a verse on this. But I would say if you're educated, old, and wealthy, you tend to be more close to the gospel. But if you're uneducated, young, and poor, you tend to be more open to the gospel. 
so that the last three, sometimes as a culture, we may look down on people that are poor, uneducated, and young. But oftentimes, they're more open to the gospel. So there's a blessing with some disadvantages. Okay, here's a second question. Let's move along. The second question is he shifts from personal comfort. His personal comfort is for water from a beggar. The second question is asking for evangelists. He's asking, he has five brothers on earth. He's saying, send Lazarus back to earth, warn my five brothers, lest they also come to this place of torment. And so he switches from the physical to the spiritual. He wants evangelists to come. So he says, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let them warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now, um, I think the idea is, is that he's firsthand experienced this is bad. Okay, I, I don't like it here. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here for eternity, but I don't want my five brothers to come here. Now, I would say this. He needs a little pep talk about God's heart for the lost. It's not just me and my wife, uh, my two sons and their, their lives, but us four and no more. It's the idea that he should care more about just his five brothers. He should care about all the people in the world that don't know Christ. But at least he cares beyond himself. Okay, So he cares for these five, uh, five brothers. And so... I think the idea would be, um, do you care about the lost? Do you take time to share the gospel? Do you give energy to share the gospel? Um, are you bold in sharing the gospel? And so I think for you as believers, um, I think sometimes as I interact with Asians, I think sometimes we are taught to mind our own business, okay? Now, here's a, here's a really bizarre conversation I had. I asked a guy the question, if you're gonna die today, and God said to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And you know what he said? He said, I'm a good student, and I mind my own business. And I, I said, dude, I didn't ask you, what does your mom say about how to be a good student? I said, how do you get to heaven, okay? And he said, I'm a good student, and I mind my own business. It's like, dude, we're not communicating. Okay. But the idea is he thought by minding your own business, that's how you get to heaven. And I didn't say you're on crack, but that's how I felt. Okay. <laughs> but the idea is sometimes as Asians, we are taught mind your own business. But I would say that's, don't listen to that. Okay. That's a cultural Chinese saying that we throw away. Okay. The idea is engage with people and share the gospel. Uh, don't worry about rejection. Don't even feel. If you feel, don't feel. Okay, just share the gospel. No, I'm serious. Don't feel so much. Okay. Um, so the idea is he's saying no to evangelism. Okay, that sounds really bizarre, but God said they are not going to listen to some guy that comes back from the dead. I'm not going to send Lazarus from heaven to earth to share the gospel. But Christ did say, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So the idea is, 
If we want workers, pray for workers. But we need people that are like Billy Graham, people that are like Bill Bright, that share the gospel. And so we want to invite you as an epic movement to reach San Jose State. We're going to get 3,000 freshmen living in the dorms. Um, if you want to share your faith, San Jose State's a great place to share your faith. If you don't like San Jose State, come to Santa Clara and share your faith. But there's an opportunity on August 18th to the 20th. Talk to Becky, Alice, Sam for more information. Okay, let's move on. Um, so here's the answer. They say they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And so the idea is you have the Bible. Listen to the Bible. The Bible changes lives. Teach the Bible. Teach the book of John. It's a great evangelistic book. And so he says, I'm not going to send them, send evangelists to warn your five brothers, but um, teach them the Bible. So here's the debrief on this. Um, we talked about this, that this passage is not clear about how to get to heaven, but it does talk clearly that there is a heaven and a hell. So we don't have time, but I was going to share about the Philippines. But um, maybe one quick story. The first day we were there, we went to a place called Tumana. Uh, 20 to 25 people became Christians that day, and we had a debrief that afternoon. I said to myself, this is how life should be lived every day. Now, honestly speaking, I don't live like that every day. Sometimes I watch Netflix. Sometimes I watch Giants games. Sometimes I uh, take a nap, okay? So I, I, would, I would like to be more consistent in sharing the gospel. But I think the beauty of Epic and your partnership with us is that we like to share our faith. So if you want to get better, join us in sharing the gospel. There's Sam. Hey, Sam. Okay. okay. He's sharing the gospel on the college campus. Uh, we gave an invitation to junior hires to accept Christ. Many of them did. Um, there's a lady in green. She gave a piece of property to the church. She's on dialysis. She, you know, understands that her life is, is coming toward the end. And so she gave a big piece of property to the church. Okay. Um, I want to I skip to this, and then we'll call it a day. There's a guy in the Bible named the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer asks a question, what must I do to be saved? He asks a question, what must I do to be saved? Most people on this earth ask that question. I would say <clears throat> out of the 7.8 billion, I would say about 6 billion people think that I have to do something to get to heaven. Doing something to get to heaven means like I'm a good person, I keep the Ten Commandments, I try and love my neighbor as myself. To be honest, I'm not perfect, but I do my best. So most people are trusting in good works, good living, good behavior to save them. So the Philippian jailer asks this question in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? And the Bible says it's not what you do, but it's who you believe in. And in Acts 16, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one condition to get to heaven. Believe in Christ. He's the living Savior. He died for your sins. He rose again. And as a living Savior, he offers eternal life. And here's the promise. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the promise. You will be saved. 
So it's a very simple. The gospel is very simple. The gospel is to believe in Christ. He died for you. He rose again. He paid him full for your sins. Through Christ, you have eternal life. And so um, there's one condition and one promise. So I'd like to give you an invitation to believe in Christ. So if you've already been saved, you don't have to be saved again. I believe the Bible teaches once saved, always saved. But at the same time, if you are new to church, if you are not yet a Christian, if you would like to have eternal life, um, and you would like to believe in Christ for salvation, there's a, um, an opportunity I want to give you. And it's a way to tangibly say, I want to place my faith in Christ for salvation. And so it's a prayer that you can say. And the prayer doesn't save you. It's Christ that saves you. But by praying the prayer, it's a tangible way to exercise your faith and to get right with God through the person of Christ and to begin a relationship with him and have eternal life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the prayer. And um, if you would like to pray this to God, you could say it silently or to yourself, or you could say it out loud, but not too loud. And then um, I'll say one phrase at a time. You can repeat after me. Um, I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads and give one another privacy. Uh, but if you'd like to get right with God and you've never done so, uh, this is a great opportunity. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Uh, hell's too brutal. And heaven's too great to, to not go there, to not go to heaven. So by believing in Christ, this is your way to get to heaven. So I'm going to pause, and then I'm going to say the prayer. And I want to invite you, if you've never done so, to, to say this with me to God. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ died for me and rose from the grave. I trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I now have. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask you to keep your heads bowed. I would like to ask you, if you have said that prayer to God, uh, this is not a condition to be saved, but it's a way for the church leaders to know if you made that decision. I'd like to ask you to raise your hand if you said that prayer to God. Uh, so if you did that today, I'd like you to just gently raise your hand and just let us know that you said that prayer to God. Okay, great. Now, I'd like to also ask you that are believers, I'd like to challenge you to make the next step. When it comes to sharing the gospel, honestly, you might be bad at sharing the gospel, or you might be timid, or you might be inactive, or you might waste time. And I want to ask you to be bold, to trust God to use you, to be available, to make that next step of faith. It might be sharing with a relative, a classmate, a neighbor, a friend, but being bold for Christ. And so if you would like to make a step of faith, you can kind of decide what that step of faith is. But if you'd like to make a step of faith to grow in boldness and sharing the gospel, I want to ask you to raise your hand. And I just want to encourage you to grow. 
we'll encourage you to make a step of faith to be bolder for Christ. So raise your hand if you'd like to make progress in your evangelistic efforts. If you'd like to make progress in being a worker for Christ. You want to be a worker in advancing the gospel, doing the work of an evangelist, fulfilling your ministry. Not being timid any longer, but being bold, trusting God for boldness. Raise your hand if you'd like to do so. Okay. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who are saved. We thank you for them. Thank you that they have eternal life. Thank you that as they believe in Christ, they have eternal life. We thank you for those of us who are believers, and we would ask for forgiveness for being timid, for being uh, wasteful in our time, uh, having hearts that don't care about the lost. Forgive us, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us courage. Give us zeal. Give us a, a stronger partnership as we reach uh, Santa Clara, San Jose State, Silicon Valley, the city of Campbell with the gospel. Give us opportunities, Lord, for your glory to advance your gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.